Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the Lord's Prayer, looking at another Old Testament passage. Welcome to Being Lutheran, and uh, I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and with me are my buddies, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Yes, good. We are still walking through the Lord's Supper. Yeah, allusions to the mm-hmm. Lord's Supper in the Old Testament. Again, this is this is one of those things we mentioned in the first four episodes of this series. Part of the problem in establishing any sort of content or doctrine uh, in, in a format like this is that the material in Scripture available for us to talk about the Lord's Supper is a lot less direct and a lot less frequently occurring than the stuff on baptism. Yeah, right. And so had more to work with. And yeah, we're, we're working with more allusions and connections than uh, anything direct theologically. That we, we we don't have a lot of passages that are as strong as the flood or as Naaman mm-hmm. uh, were for baptism. Yep. But uh, we we think we got a good one here, and it makes for a really interesting conversation. Good. Are you really going to ha- make me say Mephibosheth? Every single time. Over and over I'm time. not even going to yeah. respond to you unless you use that in the question. <laughs> so, you know. you yeah. can just call him M. And, and if M. you think that I picked this passage for any other reason to, than to get all three of us to say Mephibosheth over and over again, then you don't know me very well. So. <laughs> what was that, that passage where he's like, say, pronounce Sibboleth? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that and was said uh, Shibboleth. Th- is that the judge's? Yeah, I think where you're someone right. is yep. a spy, or or you, they, yep. it was somebody had a lisp, and it was a dialect that couldn't say. It was the difference between Sibboleth and Shibboleth. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Second <laughs> Samuel nine. Random theology weekly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to read the whole chapter, and it's not 176 verses. No. It is uh, uh, 13 verses in Second Samuel nine, and it says this. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? That's a great name, by the way. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not someone, still someone of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, uh, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king said to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring it bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Uh, then Ziba said to the king, 
According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. 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 This is the point in the episode where I'm really glad, glad that you're the narrator. Yeah, and not me. right. Yeah, Makir and yeah, Lodebar right. and Amiel. Probably and... <laughs> butchered them. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm not reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till we do the genealogies from oh, numbers one no. time. <laughs> no, we're, we're not choosing those sections. No. <laughs> so, again, the listener may be asking the profound rhetorical question, how does this have anything to do with the Lord's Supper? How does this have anything to do with anything else? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? And right? the answer is? <laughs> <laughs> the Mephibosheth is a crippled... Uh, enemy of the king, and he is invited to dine with the king. It, it is such a beautiful picture of what Christ invites us to do at the Lord's table. Restoration and reconciliation all in one. Yeah, we've got a connection here to, you know, what we theologically would describe as table fellowship, but it is being, we are uh, being invited to dine with the king when we would be an enemy. And I think your your mm-hmm. first place to start unpacking what's going on here is with the historical significance of what David is doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, mm-hmm. who is the son of Saul, Saul. And he probably, at least by lineage, is first in line for the throne. So whenever there's a coup or there's a change in line, the first thing the new king does is what? Yeah, kill off all the all the heirs, all the heirs right? Yeah. You don't want any competing claims to your throne. And even if you're in a position of power, which David uh, certainly throughout this point in Israel's history is more popular than Saul, has the people's favor, uh, people are fickle and kingdoms are even more fickle. And as soon as uh, something changes, oh, look, here's a guy who could lead us, let's get rid of the king, you know, the old king is dead, long live the king, sort of a thing. And uh, David restores uh, Mephibosheth's inheritance. Mm -hmm. David brings him to a place of honor uh, as a guest at his table. And he does so in the midst of, you know, ancient cultures were not kind nor tolerant to physical disability. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, In many Middle Eastern cultures and in ancient cultures viewed that as a sign of condemnation from the gods or from God. And so uh, Mephibosheth has... this man? Yeah, exactly. Mephibosheth has the physical signs of judgment uh, as he is crippled. Mm -hmm. He's lame in both his feet. And I, I don't think we can construct a more accurate spiritual picture of what it looks like for us. Mm Mm-hmm to eat at God's table. Right. Yeah, it's not just the eating at the table where, you know, just like uh, we see water and say, oh, that, that's bap- it's got to be baptism. It's, yeah. it's not just the eating, but you, not you, just list, the eating. you listed off a whole host of things that can bring a, another uh, appreciate more appreciation to what we have in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and I think that appreciation really stems from, and, and we're going to be talking about this as the episodes kind of go on, but... The need for examination, where where communion really becomes a valuable thing for us as we do it in reflection of who we are 
in our sin and in our sinfulness mm-hmm. and and recognizing that we don't deserve what we're receiving at the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve the body of Christ. Yeah. We don't deserve the blood of Jesus. And in fact, we're the ones who crucified Jesus. And you, you look at it in that perspective and we really start to get an imp- appreciation of the nature of our sin mm-hmm. if we compare it to the David Mephibosheth situation. Mm-hmm. Our sin, according to Romans 5 and literally everywhere else in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, place us as, places us uh, in enmity with God. We are marked as enemies of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, put in contrast to him. and We become idolaters. First thing we try to do is replace God on the throne with something or someone else. And what that ultimately amounts to is that we're trying to replace God with ourselves. You know, and even the response that we see in verse eight, where, and he paid homage and he said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as yeah, I. I love that phrase. You know, yeah. and, and the, the statement I just thought of right away, I ran to Ephesians chapter two, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And again, the point of connection is Jesus because yeah. David is a type or a shadow of Christ mm-hmm. because yeah. um, from the lineage of David, King David would come the Messiah, the Savior who is mm-hmm. Christ the Lord. And again, our point of connection is Christ, God's plan of salvation, and God, through Christ Jesus, fulfilling and realizing the promise of salvation. And that's, again, the point of connection. And it shows that we are basically dead, and we are enemies of God. And through Christ Jesus, we are restored. We are brought to the master's table Mm -hmm. uh, that he prepares in in, in the presence of our enemies. Oh, Mm -hmm. foreshadowing. Ooh, I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, so many different things we want to spend and you kind of want to rush to get in all of them, but you kind of want to take the time to savor it, you know. We, we've just got like the, chewing the food at yeah, the, the table. Yeah. You want to just wolf down the steak or do you want to yeah. enjoy it bite by bite, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the content is all there. Uh, two other things we can note and we can talk about these is Mephibosheth is there by the invitation of the king. That's significant for communion. Mm-hmm. And that it is the king who restored his own inheritance. Mm-hmm. And you have the whole theology of being co-heirs with Christ and that we are inheritors mm-hmm. of um, the uh, eternal life and we are inheritors because we've been adopted by God yep. as his children. There's, there, there's also running under the current of what's going on here, uh, kind of uh, shadows and echoes and, and prefiguring of the prodigal son story just mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's some themes going on with that too. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think it's it's okay to when you read a story like this to kind of place yourself in Mephibosheth's shoes, mm-hmm. um, his, uh, his, crutches, his, his so lame, speak. yeah, his yeah. lame, lame feet. I, I guess I, I kind of imagine somebody with, I don't know, maybe cerebral palsy or I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to think of what he might have had. Um, I, guess I think in, it was in due my to an accident, I, yeah. wasn't it? I think you're right. Yeah. But even the the symbolic nature of that is like he is unable, in a sense, to mm-hmm. come to that table. Yeah. yeah. But he's, through he's the invitation brought, yeah. of the king, he's brought. There. He is brought there. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And I think it's theologically appropriate that we do put ourselves in Mephibosheth's shoes. Now, mm-hmm. a, a social justice bent on this, <laughs> would, we would be tempted to put ourselves in David's, David's shoes. shoes. And yeah. you know, it is right that we would reach out and be kind and generous mm-hmm. to those who are less fortunate than us. But but if there's any thread of that 
as far as the lesson being taught to God's people, it is at the very rock bottom of everything else going mm-hmm. on here. Yes, absolutely. We want to be kind and yeah. generous to those who are kind less of, fortunate. Kind of like how your pet peeve, Jason, with talking about David and Goliath. Yes. Uh, yeah. s- similar to that. Yeah. And now we can see, you know, this is a glimpse. And granted, David wasn't a perfect man. He was a sinner saved by grace mm-hmm. uh, for what Christ was going to do. But we can see why he had a heart after God or God, you know, that he's mm-hmm. chosen a man uh, with a heart that's after God and his mm-hmm. heart is similar. And, and this is where we see that because the king's greatest desire was to do the father's will. And the father's will is, of course, to provide eternal life for those who believe. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, David's kindness and his compassion and his mercy can serve as a law accusing us for our lack of kindness, mercy, and compassion. That's great. But really, David's kindness, compassion, and mercy tells us something about Christ's mm-hmm kindness, compassion, and mercy mm-hmm. for us. And then, for sorry, Brian, you. I know you're a, yeah. this is guy, but we're yeah. a for you kind of uh, <laughs> okay. sort of a I'm thing. I'm both. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That doesn't work well in social media. You can only be one or the other, right? No, because it all points to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Either way yeah. you go, right, right. Yeah. it all points to Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, it's this is an absolute for you moment mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Mephibosheth. This is something mm-hmm. that David has sought him out. It is not mm-hmm. something he deserved. Uh, there is every reason that Mephibosheth should be dead right now. Mm-hmm. He, 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 and, and no one would have batted an Off eye. His head. Yeah, exactly. No one would have batted an eye if David would have just made sure yeah, right, to polish right. off the last bit of Saul's house to secure his own household uh, because David had the blessing of God. You know, you're going to be on the throne. And, and there, yeah, there isn't a single person in Israel like, oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. If he would have done that, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And and this is the thing where God would have every right to smite us. God would have every right to judge us. Yeah. And I, I would, I think that we would be um, amiss to think that there wasn't somebody among the Jewish people as they saw David do what he did thinking, what in the world is yeah. he doing? Mm-hmm. But isn't that the love of God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's so profound beyond human yeah, comprehension. Scandalous and grace. It is a, yes, yeah. it is a grace and mercy that extends beyond our comprehension. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And it is a grace that is truly greater than yeah, our sin, right. uh, than our situation, than our death, mm-hmm. and, bef- and also before our unworthiness to be at the master's table. Yep. When, didn't Joab get after David multiple times for the mercy he showed his Absolutely, enemies? So yeah. you know, we, he, we we don't even have to say there was a random Israelite who did it. We probably know the name of the one who did it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really stunning. Yeah, it is. And it's really good. I like the idea of, you know, just putting ourselves in, in his mm-hmm. shoes and just really, and I am purposefully not saying Mephibosheth's name because I'll probably mess it up. But, but putting putting, putting yeah. ourselves in his place because that really is us. We are unworthy. We are unable to come to the master's table, but through the king's invitation. Yeah, right. And that is the connecting point of, of this historical event, which also in a beautiful way is like a living illustration mm-hmm. of the Lord's table our unworthiness to come there, um, embracing a life of confession and repentance toward a salvation without regret, Mm -hmm. embracing our unworthiness before Christ, but also embracing that through Christ's victory, we are free in him. And we are invited, invited to eat at his table. Mm -hmm. And and what you're saying is you're expressing the thing that we've already talked about in this series, but I think we should just keep bringing back that Mm -hmm. it's it's all about... uh, 
relieving burdened consciences, yeah. of forgiving sin, of um, a thing of gospel, and yeah. and that's I think that's something to take away from this this episode. It is something, and and it's really interesting that that unworthiness aspect of it that helps us appreciate the nature of the gospel. It it, it plays so well into the church's hand in modern day culture, where the echo of who God is and his identity is, it always ends up looking like, well, how can a loving God ever judge and condemn someone for sin? Why would a loving God ever condemn anyone to hell? Why would a loving God exclude other religions? And for those of us that by the grace of the Holy Spirit have been made aware of even a minute picture of the effect of our sin and what it looks like, the answer is how could he do anything else? Mm-hmm. A loving God, a righteous God, a just God should be condemning sinners. He should be doing this. It's, you know, like Joab with his arms folded, like, you know, put Mephibosheth to death, establish your kingdom, be, you know, be God of everything. And, and, you know, why wouldn't you just snap your fingers and put your... Uh, enemies to death. Yep. And the answer is because God is gracious and compassionate, yeah, full of mercy right. and steadfast love. And and honestly, if we if we're really honest about all of those those rhetorical questions you just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, why would God do this? Why would God you know what we did it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we're honest, you know, just say for the sake of argument or the sake of conversation, Adam and Eve didn't sin. It would be one of us. It would be someone. Yeah. And and they did. And so sin is then us. Sin is then something we're born with. We and our sin, we are the ones who nailed Jesus to the cross. Yeah. We are just as guilty as the, the people in, in the crowd in Israel that said, crucify him, crucify him. Mm-hmm. We are right there. And so honestly, it, it's really, we've brought this on ourselves. Why would a God do this? You know what? We did this to ourselves. Yeah. But... And this is where I love the gospel. While we were enemies, Christ yeah, right. died for us. Mm-hmm. While we were like Mophibosheth, unworthy, unable, Christ died for us and mm-hmm. invited us through Christ Jesus to eat at his table. Yeah. And that's the picture. Every time in your Sunday morning service or whatever worship service you're attending where communion is served, that is the picture of the invitation that your pastor makes on God's behalf. Mm-hmm. Come to the table, mm-hmm. receive his gifts, dine with the king, yeah, feast. be forgiven be comforted, feast. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, it, 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 it's not just a tiny little snack. It is more than mm-hmm. enough to sustain you yeah. and exactly what you need. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of imagine Mephibosheth almost hardly believing himself that he's able to sit at the table and and chowing down on the, on the delicious morsels and food that's, that's placed before him. Well, and even if he was honest about his grandfather, Saul directly disobeyed commands from God and led in a way that was contrary to God's will. And if he was honest about that, like we should be honest about ourselves, he would say, I deserve death. And he kind of did in verse eight there. I'm Mm -hmm. a dead dog. What do you have? Why do you, why are you having anything Mm -hmm. to do with me? And that's really what moves us to see the extravagant nature of God's mercy and grace. Mm -hmm. It moves us to not only see the extent of our sin, which is good, but that we don't stay there. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that we move towards thankfulness yeah. and humility that we can look to Jesus as the author and inviter <laughs> yeah. of our faith and that we look to him every day of our life. And mm-hmm. we do this with a grateful heart, not thinking we deserve it, not thinking we're entitled to it, but truly doing it in humility with a healthy fear of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And just really understanding our great dependency and our thankfulness toward what Christ mm-hmm. has done. Mm-hmm. Now, this really drives home the picture that Isaiah paints in Isaiah chapter 55. It ends up going into a discussion of the nature of God's word, but it opens with these mm-hmm. words, come and eat, buy food without mm-hmm. price and, mm-hmm. and eat. It's that basically echoes the call of coming to the communion table. Yeah, it's, amen. it's free mm-hmm. and it's for you and it's real and it mm-hmm. does something. It, 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 that's why it matters is that you go to the communion table and something is happening right there by the promise of God's word. This is yep. my body given for you. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And there you put Christ's body and blood in your mouth and you're actually forgiven. Amen. Mm -hmm. I think it's extremely fitting to close with an invitation from the King. Come all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the Lord's Supper. God bless you and have a great week.